Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Thursday. It is December 7th. We're just talking Marquette. Yes, special edition uh, Marquette grades against Texas. Maybe a few just overarching thoughts prior to getting into the grades. But that will be today's show. Uh, This is an extra show. We usually do four shows a week. We're doing five. uh, A, because we have great support. Uh, from people who are Marquette fans. They love listening to our podcasts. We love them. So we do podcasts when there are Marquette big games to talk about. And we will do that throughout. Uh, We will talk about most, if not all, Marquette games. We will not miss one. Uh, If there's a game Saturday, we will talk about it on Monday. Uh, If there is a game where we don't have a podcast, we will try to fit it in. uh, Unless it's somehow meaningless, right? Unless it's just one of those games that doesn't exactly matter, um, but we will be there for you. So that's what I I will promise for the season. Uh, I just the support's too good not to you know support basically give it back, right? Uh, if you guys are connecting with us on social media, you're connecting with us by listening. I gotta do these podcasts. Uh, I am indebted to you, and I hope you guys are spreading the good word of tapping the keg. I hope you're checking us out on non Marquette game days. Uh, whether you're a Packer fan, whether you're a Bucks fan, whether you're a Brewer fan, right? Um, all those things you guys could, we have for you. Um, and if you're a fan of none of them, if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Cubs fan, uh, there's a lot of Chicago crossover. Maybe you're hate listening or you're just coming in for the Marquette. Whatever it is, we do appreciate the support. And that's why we're here today. Uh, and you guys are probably already following along on, on Twitter. But if not, Tapping the Keg, we talk all the time about Marquette. Uh, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, That is, I think, more sports-focused. I wouldn't say it's Marquette-focused. And then, uh, as I said, four days a week, uh, one time with my guy Mitch, uh, which is a little more professional sports. He's not a huge college guy. Every now and again, I bully Mitch in talking about college sports. Uh, but that's that. That's sort of our shows usually in the week. We'll have another one tomorrow. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Leave a review if you like what you hear. We really appreciate that. Even if you're not comfortable leaving a review or it's just too much work, drop it in the group chat. Um, I know there's not a ton of Marquette content out there. Um, got people have left and, and they've, a lot of people do great work. Uh, but you know, if, if this is you know the only resource you have to talk about the Texas game, Send it to your buddies, uh, send it to your friends. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. All right, enough campaigning, enough, uh, you know, speaking the good word of the Marquette fans. Let's get into the win against Texas. What a win uh, for the Marquette Golden Eagles. Uh, They dominate the Texas Longhorns. It was 85 to 65, 86 to 65 at the end. Uh, That game was not that close. Uh, The fact that you can say that about a 21 point win against the ranked opponent. I agree with the sentiment from some of the national writers that maybe Texas was overrated. I think that's pretty accurate. My cousin who went to Texas also said the same thing. He also, not really a basketball fan, said, Jesus Christ, who's this white guy? Talking about Tyler Kolick, uh, which like for good reason. Uh, Tyler Kolick was amazing in this game and we're gonna talk about that during the grade segment. But I, I think I wanna kind of back out a little bit and zoom out to look at what Marquette's done in the non-conference. Now they have Notre Dame, they have St. Thomas left, but both teams are not necessarily at the level of the teams that Marquette has played. I do think it's important to not necessarily look past those teams, especially Notre Dame, because those are power five guys. They can beat that power six. I I, I gotta do that for college. 
college basketball, not, you know, because the Big East needs to be included. But those are, those are still high, high-level players, right? They're just very inexperienced. They're learning a new system under Michael Shrewsbury. I, I think Notre Dame come February, November, February, March is going to be a lot better than the team we see on Saturday. But regardless, Marquette's done with the hardest part of their non-conference schedule and arguably maybe the hardest part of their schedule for the entire year. According to Kempom, Marquette has played the eighth toughest schedule when it comes to offense and the eighth toughest schedule when it comes to defense in the country. And Marquette has lost a grand total of two of those games. Marquette has played A opponents, like top tier opponents, quad one, potentially quad two opponents. All of them have either been on neutral sites or on the road, except for this game against Texas. And Marquette is six and one, six and two in those, six and two in those games. So that is all major headline stuff to kind of show you where the, the ceiling is for Marquette. And the ceiling might not necessarily exist. Yes, I think the problems still remain with teams like with teams like Wisconsin. I'm not going to ignore what happened last Saturday, right? I, I think that that would be ignorant to ignore what happened last Saturday. But that said, it just shows you kind of the talent that Marquette has played against, the experience that they're going to have heading into the Big East season. They are going to be as battle-tested as any team in the country when it comes to who they face in the, in the conference season. And I think that is a major advantage for Marquette, especially early on, especially when we're in the first five to seven games of the season. So against Creighton, right, which is on December 30th, I think that's going to be massive for Marquette. I think it is going to help against the Providence team who I think is a year away from being somewhat special. Marquette has actually kind of, and we'll talk more about the Big East, you know, when we get, you know, closer to the season, but they have not a difficult start to their year. So I, I do think that that is nice for the Golden Eagles. But I think that this is all going to work out for them. And I also think that it's going to help come turning time because not only do you have the experience against a lot of different teams, a lot of different high quality teams, you've had a lot of looks, but also your resume should look a lot better than some of the people you're competing with for a one, two, or potentially three seed. Three seed would mean things have went wrong, but I still think Marquette can be a one or a two seed when it's all said and done. They have the talent, they have the skill set to be one of the best teams in college basketball. And I think if you were worried after the, tech, the Wisconsin and Purdue games, and you thought maybe this team wasn't necessarily at that high elite level in college basketball, all worries were quelled against Texas. And what Marquette did in the final 10 minutes of the first half and then the early part of the second half was just dominant basketball. And it got out of hand quick. And they did not let Texas up for air. And even if Texas is overrated, this is still a very talented roster. This is still a roster with guys who are going to go in the NBA or guys who are going to develop into NBA players. And Marquette absolutely kicked their ass really from 10 minutes on in the game 
against the Longhorns. And so I, I can't like look past that, and nor should you. And you, even if people are like, well, Texas isn't that good, doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. I'll be honest. Like, I, under, I understand that and I can acknowledge that, but I also can know that this is a Big 12 team. It's a team that's going to potentially get wins against Texas or Houston or BYU who's really good in their first year of the Big, the big 12. Like, they, they're st- they could get those wins. And those wins are going to help Marquette. Just like the, the wins Wisconsin's going to get. They just beat Michigan State. That helps Marquette. Just like Purdue, maybe being the best team in college basketball. That's going to help Marquette that they were only a three-point loser to them. Kansas, going to help Marquette. So when you combine all that together and you bring that into kind of the crockpot of a resume, Marquette's going to end up smelling great. They're going to end up smelling like that, you know, thing you pulled pork you've had in the crock pot smoker would probably be a better example because let's let's be honest here that's that's better cooking but i i went crock pot first i must be craving you know a crock pot meal if you will but it's going to be smelling awesome so i i cannot wait for the season to continue and i think you could you only should be encouraged by what you've seen in the non-conference all right let's talk about the grades let's give grades out we've done this now for I think since UCLA, I think it's when I no I started against Illinois, uh, where basically I give grades A, B, C, D, E, and F, not E, uh, and kind of just talk about the game itself, uh, maybe moments from the game, maybe just different little things here and there, um, and just kind of get into it. So obviously an A to Tyler Kolick. Uh Tyler Kolick, this was his best game of the season. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say I was critical of Tyler Kolick, but I just noted like it, it's been a little bit of an uneven start for Kolick and that teams are, are really honed in on Kolick and focusing on Kolick. I went with my buddy Fant, who's more of a professional sports guy, and he was asking about Kolick being a draft pick. And he's like, he's really like a, you know, low, high second rounder, low first rounder. I said, yeah, like, He's really talented in the NBA game. The only problem that he has right now is that a lot of people are keen on him, and I think it's thrown him off. Well, even though Texas might have had a game plan against Tyler Kolick, it didn't work. Tyler had 28 points. He had eight rebounds. He had six assists. I think if this game was close, Tyler Kolick would have had a triple-double in this game. Uh, He made all shots inside the arc. He only missed five threes, but he made four of them. Uh, he's been shooting nearly at a 50% clip from three-pointer, which is a extreme development in the most pot. It very, like that's a huge, huge step forward for Tyler Kolick. Uh, and he is playing, he played great basketball. Uh, it was, it was definitely what you wanted to see out of your All-American. Uh, it was just a masterclass. Like I know that term gets overused, just like I didn't have that on my bingo card. Like, those things are just very like, what's the word? Like bailout, like bailout phrases, right? Like when you don't know what to say, you just, you bail it out. But seriously, like that was a masterclass. Like that was what you want from Tyler Kolick every game. Now, can you get that every game? Probably not. But if you get like that, maybe even a tick below, like that's going to win you pretty much every game. And Tyler was excellent in this basketball game, had full control, uh, was just, Texas did not know what to do with Kolick on the perimeter. And he absolutely abused them. 
And it was just an awesome, awesome game from Kolek. Cam Jones also played really well. Um, I it, The Cam Jones season has been very good. I think if you were to say, you know, who who be the favorite from a Big East player of the year perspective, I'd actually put my money on Cam Jones in terms of the Marquette contingent. You know, every team I think would have their own group. But I think if I were to like odds make it out, I'd put Cam Jones, let's just, you know, do like, well, I'd say Cam Jones plus 180. I realize these odds are out of whack, but work with me. Cam Jones plus 180, Kolick plus 300, Oso like plus 600. Um, at, like, and Cam Jones has just been playing good basketball every game out. Like Cam Jones has not had a bad game. For a, a, the start of this one, it looked like Cam Jones was finally going to have, you know, that off night. Like he wasn't making sort of those close shots that he usually makes and was like, okay, he's, you know, he's kind of like off. But it was all from the three-point arc. And he made five threes and it was a solid game because of the three-point shot and helped Marquette kind of pull away. Yes, inside the arc did not work. You know, his tough shot express was not the same. He only actually made one basket inside the arc and did shoot the ball 16 times. So, so like maybe A, he should probably be a B, but it, it was still a solid offensive rating night for Cam Jones at 127. So yeah, maybe maybe I'm a little bit, I think I gave Cam Jones a A or a B when I should have gave him an A. And this is a situation where I should have gave him an A when he's probably more a B when you kind of look at the stats a little bit closer. But yeah, still a very solid game for Cam Jones. Even if the shots inside the arc weren't falling, I'm not going to worry about that because I've seen him make so many tough shots. Just because it wasn't his night tonight doesn't mean that that's a, a sign of things to come. Uh, Tyler Kolick's post-game comments were excellent uh, about Shaka Smart. I, I thought that, that was just pure Tyler Kolick. As Gary Parrish said of CBS Sports, nobody cusses like Tyler Kolick in a, in a press conference. Uh, he said this about sort of the, uh, about Chaka Smart playing Texas. Tyler Kolick said Chaka Smart told him he didn't really care about facing his old team. Kolick's response to him, bullshit. Like, that's awesome. And it just shows you the kind of guy Tyler Kolick is. He's the ultimate chip on your shoulder type of dude. Uh, I think they wanted this for Chaka. We kind of talked about that. I think after the Wisconsin game, we're like, I think there's going to be some motivation. I did wonder, like, it, it, does it lose its luster because it's not in Austin, Texas? I think Marquette would have done this in Texas. Maybe not at this level, but I think they would have kicked their ass. I think, actually, it would have been amplified in terms of the does Shaka want this because you're kind of going against the fans, too. And so, but no, I, it was that's an awesome comment uh, from TK. And then lastly, on the A, a block, if you will, of the A's, was the first half search. Um, I, I just thought Marquette really, you know, came on strong. Like it started slow and you're like, okay, this is gonna be a fight. Like they're a little sluggish again. You know, it kind of just stumbled out the door and then they absolutely went crazy in that se that second part of the first quarter uh, or first half, excuse me. They, they was 21, 27 to 11 in the first the last 10 minutes of the first half and then in the first 10 minutes of the second half it was 23 14. so that's how you blow out a team that is exactly how you dominate a a basketball team and marquette was in full control you know heading into halftime cola hitting that three just absolute steph curry like three 
was the cherry on top of just what was an excellent 10 minutes for Marquette. And they really never looked back. That was kind of the dagger for Texas. And I know it's early to call a dagger in the first half, but Texas just had no answers for Marquette on the offensive side of the court. Like they were jumping at everything. Nevada Smith, who also probably should deserve an A, scouted the absolute hell out of Texas because he, he exploited a ton of weaknesses that Texas had defensively and they were all on full display. So credit to Nevada as well. Uh, but yeah, those are all the A's. For B's, I, I already said Cam Jones, we moved him down. I, I think Chase Ross also is a B. I, Chase Ross had a solid game off the bench. He's kind of established himself as a sixth man of this team. Uh, I think that I can say that confidently. Um, you know, he played 19 minutes in this one. He had 12 points. Uh, got to the lines, you know, three different times. Made five out of six. Uh, solid, solid night for Chase Ross off the bench. And I, I think Marquette's going to need at least a little bit of bench support. I don't think they need a ton. Like, I don't think they need to be reliant on their bench. But they're going to need some guys to contribute. And that's exactly what Chase Ross did. And, you know, credit to him. And I, I think that's a really, really good thing, you know, going forward. You know, he had a rough game against Wisconsin. To be able to bounce back, you know, not necessarily mire yourself in a slump is really encouraging to see. And they're going to need, you know, Chase Ross's production off this bench. And so it's, it's solid. That, that, that was a good night for Chase and played really well. His offensive rating was 126 or 128, pardon me. So really, really nice night uh, for Chase Ross the boss, as I like to call him. Uh, I, that's my personal nickname. Uh, also B to the Joplin adjustment. So David Joplin played, what was it, 30, 30 minutes against Wisconsin. And we'd all kind of talked about how they should have probably toned down his, or 34 against Wisconsin. They pulled back Joplin's minutes to only 21. Now, part of that is due to the blowout nature, right? They didn't necessarily, you know, need to play all their guys a ton of minutes. You know, Oso and Tyler had the most minutes at 31. So it was very Mike Budenholzer-esque, if you will, uh, for these guys. But Joplin only played 21. They brought in Zade Lowry, who struggled, and we'll talk about Zade's individual performance. But they brought in Zade really for defense. And they brought him in, you know, as a big body to kind of be a Joplin replacement. And less Joplin defensively was, it, it worked, right? You saw what Marquette was able to do. And I, I'm not saying that that is entirely correlated, but I, I think that just using Joplin as, you know, a 20 to 30 minute a guy game at most, I think is the way to succeed. And again, you know, he had a, he had a couple things. He had eight points in this one. Um, we're not obviously great job, but it's more the adjustment. And I, I think I'll be very curious to see if that continues. I don't know if we'll have a true answer on it until we see them against, you know, Providence and Creighton and some of the early Big East opponents. Um, but I, I, I think that that is the way forward. I think it's less Joplin minutes. I think it's more bench guys and just rotating Joplin into the rotation and not necessarily, you know, asking him for 35 minutes because I just don't think he can do that. Uh, another B to the Marquette crowd. Uh, I thought it was a really solid crowd. Uh, I saw there was some Wisconsin blogger who I don't know why the fuck he was there was like, oh, look at this crowd. And it was like, it's kind of barren right at the start. I even had a buddy on text was like, oh, not a lot of seats. It's like, first of all, it was seven o'clock. 
uh, you know, everybody's working. Finals are going on right now. Like, it, seven isn't exactly the ideal time for a basketball game with traffic and getting in from the burbs and everything else. 8 o'clock is actually probably the most ideal time. And 7.30 actually is, is the one. Like, that's the answer. But because it was seven, it was a light crowd at least from the start. And then it, it as the game, you know, kind of got going, it was pretty much a full house. It was 96% full, uh, according to ESPN. And that, that feels about right. Like, and that's a random Wednesday night against a non-conference opponent. And you're nearly filling up an entire NBA arena. It's not a college arena. It's not on campus. The student section was loud and hyphy. Again, even though it's finals, and they were there. Um, and it's going to be an awesome crowd on Saturday. It's already sold out for the game against Notre Dame. It's an 8 p.m. start on a Saturday. That place is going to be absolutely liquored up, uh, which I cannot wait for. And very excited uh, for the game. Also, just a quick beat. They're not calling the dogs off. Again, like you can't tell me Shaka didn't want this game. He he didn't call the dog. They were they had all, they had starters out there up thirty, and I was telling my the guy I went with, I was like, ah oh, man, I don't know. Like I always get nervous about those type of moments because I'm from Wauwatosa originally. I went to Tosa West and Tosa East when I was in high school. Jerry Smith was you know went to Louisville, uh, played against Marquette, had a game winner against Marquette, which was like that was probably one of the worst Marquette moments of my life was Jerry Smith hitting the game winner against Marquette. Um, but just because, like, it was, you know, the 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 background and everything. But anyways, I, I digress. Jerry was going for Devin Harris's single-game scoring record. And he had, like, 43. I think it was against one of the West Dallas schools. I think it was Hale. And Harris is – or he had 40, and Harris had 45. That was Harris' record. And they were up, like, 30. And it was right before the – uh, high school tournament and Jerry broke his foot and he wasn't able to play in the tournament uh, obviously and it, and he shouldn't have been out there because it was a blowout uh, but you know George Haas the former East coach walked on water so there wasn't no one really gave a fuck and he wasn't really criticized and it, again you don't really criticize high school coaches but I mean that's the stuff that worries me when you're up you know 30 points but that said this was a unique situation uh, and they wanted to make sure that Texas was in the ground. I get it. Um, it Three-pointers, it can happen quick, where all of a sudden you're back to 20 before you know it. But yeah, Marquette, not calling the dog out. I loved. Uh, a C2, the sluggish start. So I'm not, I don't think I'm worried about it. I don't think I'm worried that it's a trend that Marquette just can't get off to good starts. Um, you know, obviously we saw it against Wisconsin. We saw it against Texas. They were a little sluggish against Purdue. I think they started a little slow against Southern even as well. So I guess that's kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, they just need to get comfortable during during that first 10 minutes of the game. I just worry if that's kind of a fuck around and find out sort of thing, especially on the road, right? Where And we saw this against UConn in Connecticut where UConn just absolutely blitzed Marquette early and there was no coming back. And Marquette had lost the game in the first 10 minutes. That's, I think, my worry it, with these sluggish starts is at some point, you know, is the comeback going to be too much? Now, this has kind of been a thing Marquette has done in the Shock of Smart era, even last year. You know, they had moments where their, their first halves would not necessarily be that great. And then they make adjustments in the second halves so would just be absolute, you know, murder machine. 
I just would like to see faster starts. Um, and just, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, you're up by 10 points after 10 minutes, but it'd be nice to just be either tied or, you know, have a, at least a little bit of a lead, you know, in the, in the first eight minutes. So something I'll keep an eye on as we continue on this season. Another C to Oso Iguodaro, uh, just, you know, Oso, it, after, you know, a hot Maui, he's kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, again, not necessarily a, a worry per se. He had nine points in this one, uh, had what, six rebounds, three assists, he had a beautiful pass. That, it was a hockey assist, because I think Bullock then passed it to Joplin, but he had an excellent pass on the baseline that was just, it was kind of like, Gian, is at, honestly, it was Giannis level uh, passing from Iguodaro. And I, I'm not, again, not really worried about Oso's lack of production. It was a Kolick and Jones night. Texas has some size inside. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he did all right, right? He, he, did, he did fine. Um, I just, I wonder, you know, did, was the Maui thing, I, wanna, I don't want to go as far to say it was like a mirage, right? But was like, how can we get Maui Oso back? or just get a version of that. Maybe not necessarily at that level, but kind of at that secondary level. I, I guess the other part is there's only one ball. Like not to argue with myself, but I do that sometimes because I'm just by myself. Like I'm not talking to Mitch, I'm not talking to a co-host. But I think if I were, maybe they're they're commenting like, well, there's only one ball. And if Kolek's going and if Jones is going, like that leaves out, you know, Oso's ability. But I, I also, feel like Oso should try to, you know, make some offense. Like, I, I think he can go off the dribble. I think he can post up and get, people can get him the ball. Maybe there's too much of a focus and we'll see. But yeah, I, I still liked what Oso did. And it was enough, right? Um, and that's why he gets a C because it just wasn't producing enough offensively. Would like to see a little bit more, but I'm all, all in all, I'm okay with it. C's, C's get degrees, as they say. Uh, D to Stevie Mitchell. Stevie... You know, it, it, I think that he he was okay offensively. Um, he had four points overall, uh, missed missed all his shots. He just made some from the free throw line. He did have three steals. Uh, he was pretty solid defensively. You know, on Tyrese Hunter, Tyrese Hunter did absolutely nothing. The Racine product uh, had three points overall. Had a really offensive rating of forty six. Wow, that is a really really rough game uh, for Tyrese Hunter. Uh, Max a Abr Abe Muss. I, I always thought it was Abrams. It's Abe Muss. Uh, the former Oral Roberts kid had 25 points. He made his first three threes, but Abrams didn't make another three the rest of the game. I'd have to look how much Stevie Mitchell guarded him because if that was the case, then maybe I need to bump Stevie Mitchell up. That might be too hard on Stevie Mitchell. I I'm going to throw that out. You know what? We're going to we'll, we'll give Stevie Mitchell a C and maybe even a B if it was all defense for Stevie Mitchell, but just it, it's Stevie just has an interesting role on this team. I mean, he's the ultimate glue guy, right? I think Marquette would be kind of screwed if they didn't have him, but it's just it, he plays an interesting but integral role of this team. So I, I'm, I'm going to say my D was over the top. I'd have to go back and look at like matchups and see if Stevie was guarding. I'll, I'll do a better job of that next time I'm at, at the game. I think sometimes it's tough when you're not watching at home because you're you just you're so stimulated you're also talking to your friend and you're you know you're not as locked in as you are when you're just sitting on your couch watching watching the boys uh f to 
Just Zade Lowry's offense. I look, look, I know he was in there for defense. It was clear that he was a little nervous. And and look, and I understand like Shaka throwing him in the fire is not a bad thing. The former Brewers manager did that a lot with young relievers, where he would just say, All right, you're gonna be in this high leverage situation. We're gonna put you in. You might struggle the first time, but now you understand what it's like. Throwing Zayden in, in a big in a non-big East game, but a high level game. I think is important for his development. I think that's only going to help. We saw Trey Norman got minutes against Illinois. Now he didn't really play much in this one, but Zade Lowry, 11, 11 minutes. He did have three turnovers. He shot the ball once. He had one three-point attempt. But again, like I think it's good to throw him in the fire. So it's an F to his offense, but it's, I look, I think sometimes that's, it's trial by fire. So I'm not like that worried about it. Uh, the last half I give is to Sean Jones. Uh, just not necessarily a Sean Jones game. And I think this goes back to the point about Oso. When Kolick and Cam Jones are cooking, do you really need Sean Jones? Now, I think Sean Jones needs to make himself you know, more effective in the minutes that he does play. He only played nine minutes uh, in this one, so maybe that's hard to do. But he needs to be maybe more of a facilitator in those, those kind of moments and kind of read the room and say, all right, I need to make myself, you know, more of a factor in terms of, you know, getting the ball around, getting it to guys like Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones and Oso Yadara and kind of be that facilitator uh, versus like being a scorer. And so, well, you know, I think that's just something, you know, for Sean to work on. But again, even the D's and the F's are not necessarily a big deal uh, for Marquette in terms of their their game because it was a blowout and they dominated Texas and that that's all you want. And next up now is Notre Dame. As mentioned, you know, the Fighting Irish are not the team they were last year. Um, new coach with Micah Shrewsbury, which, so it should, and it should be a fun game. You know, obviously the Catholic on Catholic matchup, Marquette beat them last year. That was kind of one of those moments last year. It was a Sunday afternoon game where everyone kind of was like oh wow this Marquette team might be a little bit better than we thought they were you know and they have they have an advantage against this Notre Dame team this Notre Dame team is up against it they are they're turning the ball over a lot facing a Marquette team that forces a bunch of turnovers uh, right now their efficiency offensively is 246 in the country and Marquette's defensive efficiency is 10th so it could be a long day for Notre Dame and if the Bucks do come out alive in the in-season tournament, that would be great because then there's overlap between the Bucks and Marquette, and I can go watch the Bucks in the fourth quarter. That that's the that's the ultimate goal. Um, but obviously, I clear that with my wife, who's going to the game, and we're with her friends, so <laughs> we'll have to finesse that. Uh, that's that. We'll we'll see how that goes. I'll definitely update you guys. But yeah, uh, we will be back tomorrow for a full show. Uh, we'll talk about what happens with the Bucks Pacers in-season tournament game this afternoon. Wild, it's at four o'clock. I'm sure we'll have some thoughts about that. We've already kind of talked about it, but we, I'm sure I'll bitch a little more. Uh, we'll get ready for just Packers Giants, just kind of check in where we're at, key matchups. We'll do more of the betting breakdown on Monday. Um, and we'll talk about anything else. Juan Soto did get traded. I think there we can discuss that from a Brewer perspective, what that might mean, you know, for the NL um, in general, uh, and anything else that comes across the wire that's interesting and relevant to 
Marquette or not to Marquette to Wisconsin, Wisconsin sports. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this special edition of the Tavern Keg Podcast. We'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow. All right, see you guys. Bye.